0: Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Hello, everybody. This is Marshall Poe. I'm the editor of the New Books Network, and I'd like to tell you that we have a new and improved website. It has two new features that we think you'll love. One of them is a vastly improved search engine So that when you type in keywords, you'll get a bunch of episodes really quick. The other is the ability to create a listener account. And in that listener account, you can save episodes for later listening. So you can create a kind of listening list. We think these features are neat and we think you'll enjoy them. Please visit the site today. Welcome to the New Books Network.
1: Hello, I'm Natalia Shpilova-Said. I'm a host of New Books in Literary Studies, a podcast channel on the New Books Network. I'm delighted to speak today with Olga Melnyk about her book, Ship Life, Seven Months of Voluntary Slavery, published in 2022. Olha Melnyk studied history at the National University Kiev Mohyla Academy, and um, she studied at the Joint Master Program German and European Studies at the Kiev Mohyla Academy and Friedrich Schiller University, Germany. Her master thesis was on the topic, the image of Ukraine in German mass media, 2004-2010. After her graduate studies from May 2012 till December 2012, she worked as a bar waiter on an American cruise ship, and she narrates her experience in her book, Ship Life. Currently, Olga works at Career Karma, an American community of peers, mentors, and coaches that uh, helps career changers land a dream career as a freelance content writer. Hello, Olga. Uh, Hello, Natalia. Thank you for uh, for the introduction. Thank you so much for joining me today. And I'm really looking forward to you sharing your experience of uh, being a bar waiter. Mm Uh, so in your book, you'll recount this experience and the diary notes that describe daily routine on the ship intermingle with comments that give insight into the social structure that the ship life reveals, into different psychological states and conditions, and finally into cultural stereotypes, differences, and similarities. But first, I would like to ask you uh, what made you decide to take this job?
2: Um, all right uh, so uh, first of all uh, I'm coming from the family of uh, sailors uh, so both both of my parents worked on the ships uh, my mom worked as a cook and my uh, father worked as an operator uh, so radio operator and uh, after graduation I felt uh, exhausted after writing my master thesis. And uh, I decided to take a gap year and I, um, I thought about the opportunity to join the ship as, um, as a nice opportunity to see the world and to make some money. That's why I have decided, to me and my, ma- my father, we have researched uh, this topic and we have decided that uh, Bar Server would be a nice uh, choice. Um, based on the salary, based on the schedule, responsibilities. Uh, So I decided to go through the interview and uh, join the ship as a bar server.
1: Mm -hmm. So, But you said that you were inspired by your parents' experience, right? And uh, they also worked on ships uh, under the Soviet Union? Yes, that's right. Uh, So uh, from my childhood, uh, we
2: had... So as my parents worked on the ships, as you know, in the Soviet Union, it wasn't easy to go abroad to travel. Mm -hmm. And um, sailors were among few people who had an opportunity to see the world. And my parents, um, I saw that uh, experience of my parents is different from experience of other people. Uh, For example, we had... uh, some things from Japan, India, uh, Vietnam, and it it, it inspired me. And I wanted to see the world too. And for me, it was like default option to do the same uh, as my parents did.
1: So the experience that you received was undoubtedly life-changing. On the one hand, you had the opportunity of seeing a number of beautiful places, as you mentioned. uh, And on the other, you compare your life on the ship to a mental institution. And in your book, you mentioned that among those few things that you took with you uh, on the ship was a book by Ken Kizi, One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. And you couldn't read it as the similarities between the ship life and the asylum life were too strong. Also, a cuckoo is some sort of a recurring word in the book. So what was the driving force for putting this book together? And you also mentioned previously that you felt kind of exhausted after you completed your academic work.
2: Uh, So I wrote the book uh, not uh, straight after my contract on the ship, but uh, I started to uh, work on it a year or maybe two years after. Um, Mm. In uh, 2013, I made a trip to India. And uh, I had an experience of 10 day uh, med- silence meditation called Vipassana, which is known, but mm-hmm. by, by uh, this is the method that Buddha was the first uh, uh, to uh, discover. And um, I made this uh, Vipassana, and during these 10 days, um, this uh, ship um, memories from ship experience were the uh, most um, common. And I realized that uh, this experience is the most uh, traumatic for me, not my um, private life, uh, not relations with my family members, but uh, this contract ownership. And uh, when I uh, came back home uh, after some time, maybe six months, I remember this day, it was Christmas, I was at home, and I decided that um, I can start, I'm ready to start writing the book. And uh, I started uh, to write maybe first uh, five or seven pages, and then I just uh, decided to send them to a publishing house, and immediately I got a response that that's it's interesting. So please, and that I should continue. And uh, it made me, it inspired me to continue. And uh, it wasn't easy to write the book. I had creative crisis and i didn't know at some point i didn't like the text and i couldn't find where i i don't like it anymore but finally
1: i made it to complete
2: mm-hmm.
1: complete the book so you mentioned that um this experience on the ship was kind of traumatic for you uh so in this case this writing was uh, some sort of therapeutic um experience yes
2: it was a kind of therapy for myself and i realized that maybe i did it more for myself than for the readers Uh, but i'm quite happy that now when the book is published and uh, the book was published in ukrainian in uh, 2017 2018 it was promoted so i'm happy that the book has found its uh, readers and uh, i got many feedbacks that the book is very easy to read and um uh, the experience is pretty unique uh, so I'm glad that
1: uh, I did it <laughs> uh, and uh, but uh, uh, um, I, I would like to go back to this um, uh, detail about your uh, book that uh, you mentioned uh, one flew over the cuckoo's nest and you couldn't uh, uh, start reading the book on the ship so would you comment on this similarities between the ship life and the asylum life
2: Uh, Yes, of course Uh, So I'm kind of person that uh, for me uh, my freedom is one of the most basic values in my life and um, that's why um, uh, this um, Limitations and rules and all the terms and conditions that I had to follow they were too strict and there were just too many rules to follow and um, um, It made me uh, think of um, of the sheep as uh, some kind of di- disciplinary institution, um, similar to prison or to me- mental hospital, where you just have to follow the rules, and uh, otherwise, uh, where where um, you just have too many limit limitations in your life, and uh, yeah, that's um, and when I started to re- read this book, I just couldn't continue because I I realized that it just seemed. Too similar to environment where I'm currently, so I decided to put it off to a more um, um, uh, quiet life when I'm back home. Mm-hmm.
1: Um, that's uh, that's an interesting remark that you made uh, about you appreciating freedom. So uh, I'm going to ask this existential question: What 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 is freedom for you, and how can we? somehow discover and appreciate freedom. Maybe this experience on the ship uh, somehow helped you um, understand um, what freedom is for you uh, personally? Um, actually, um,
2: it's pretty simple uh, things. For example, uh, what I wanted most of uh, most of all when I was on the ship is just to go for a walk uh, mm-hmm. to the park, mm-hmm. to go to the cinema with my friends, uh, to go to... Um, some some other place and not have to think all the time that I have to be back on the ship in one hour or two hours and not to look at my watch all the time, and uh, just to um, um, to have a more relaxed more relaxed life and not have to be always um, in a, in
1: tonus, mm-hmm. so to say. Um, so, what social dynamics that you observed on the ship struck you as the most revealing? Uh, I remember an episode in which you describe a unit for washing dishes. Uh, it was quite gloomy. Uh, also, you comment on how the cruise servers uh, were uh, treated by both management and clientele and make a promise to yourself to never treat a bus server, for instance, like that.
2: Uh-huh. Um, I remember, yes, this episode was uh, probably the most uh, uh, traumatic for me because mm-hmm. when I saw how um, other workers on the kitchen work very hard and it really um, looked like a slavery of our days and I realized that um, you know, one, of the, uh, one of the waiters in the kitchen told me that you should realize that your role is minor Here, this is a theater for clients, for guests, and your role is very minor here. My role is just to carry a small tray and offer drinks, but other people who work on the kitchen, they work really hard. Mm. And um, it's, uh, for example, I had some friends from Mexico, and they worked as um, assistant cookers, and for one shift, they had to cut like 70 kilograms of onion, For example and uh, it's literary slavery and um, one of them resigned uh, after a month i think and the second one stayed and many people uh, just have to stay there because of uh, the poverty uh, in uh, their countries in their families and they have to stay on the ship because this is the only opportunity for them to feed their families to support their families
1: did you regret at any point that you undertook this job?
2: Um, yeah, for me, the hardest uh, point was uh, I would say that um me and my family we borrowed some money around uh, two thousand u s dollars uh, to um, to, uh, to join the ship. so to make all the documents like sailor's uh, sailors book and then other the tickets. Um, other things and uh, I realized that my family just could not make this money and it's this my responsibility to stay here and uh, to make this money and the hardest was the first and the second months and of course the first days like first cruise second cruise Um, uh, while mm, well uh, if I had money at that time I would resign maybe on the fourth or fifth <laughs> day and go home, mm-hmm. but uh, I couldn't. I didn't have this um, opportunity at that moment, so I had to stay. I knew that no one uh, could do it except for me, and that's why I stayed. Mm-hmm. That so, was the only reason why I stayed at that moment. Mm-hmm.
1: So. Um... Maintaining that connection with your parents was really very uh, crucial for you while you were on the ship, and uh, in the book you describe how not only you but other uh, but other workers on the ship were eager to uh, uh, get some uh, spot where the internet connection was stable. Uh, did you mm-hmm. sh- did you did you share at some point? this experience with your parents while you were on the ship or you uh, kept it to yourself and maybe you just shared this afterwards
2: Um, luckily I have an elder sister who was Mm. my uh, emergency contact or a a line of uh, psychological support and I frequently called her and uh, I had a chance to uh, share with her because uh, with uh, uh, my mom at that time was. Um, um, I joined the ship in May, so in summer, when, when it was the hardest part for me, my mom was working on, um, um, uh, on somewhere in a hotel or in a, in a restaurant, uh, and in the Black, Black Seashore, because we live on the Black Seashore. So my mom was also working hard at that in that that summer, and I could uh, never reach her. Uh, if there was no connection it's not possible to call the ship i could mm-hmm. all only call um call and just uh, um hope that someone would pick up uh the phone and that uh, i can uh, talk with someone and uh, as as i remember internet at that time costed uh 14 cents per minute mm-hmm. and it was very slow connection so it took like uh, 5 minutes to connect to facebook and then another 3 minutes to log out mm-hmm. <laughs> so mm-hmm. Uh, it took it took a while, and sometimes there was no internet at all, and sometimes um, we need to uh, buy like special cards um, uh, coupons mm-hmm. for 10 ten euro coupons mm-hmm. um, to call at home, and it was like one ten dollars for thirty or fifty minutes, and sometimes on payday they were all sold out, sold out,
0: mm-hmm.
2: and uh, I remember there was, um, my niece was three years old and I wanted to call my sister and it was a salary day and all these vouchers were sold out and I couldn't and I felt so miserable because there is nothing I can do and uh, it was just impossible to
1: to talk with my family. And it was very hard. Was your experience in any way similar to the experiences of your parents? As you mentioned, they also uh, worked on the uh, ship, but it was a different country and it was a different Mm -hmm. social environment as well.
2: Mm -hmm. Um, To be honest, I can't imagine how my mom um, could uh, go through it because uh, she worked on the ship for seven years, starting Mm -hmm. from 17 years old. She's from the village. -hmm. And uh, she worked, uh, including, uh, and it's 17 years old. She was already working on a Soviet military ship, Mm -hmm. and it was um, a very hard uh, job. She had to work many hours, like maybe 12, 14 hours every day. And um, she was everywhere, like Angola, then um, India, Vietnam, Cuba. Like in many many other sports, it was very dangerous, and her mom was against it. But um, she continued, and I asked my mom, "Why don't you resign? Mm -hmm. Why don't you um, just find some other job?" And she said, "This is what I." um, I," She went to the college. She said, "This was my job. I had to do it." And she worked um, on the ship for seven years until she met my father and they got married and they resigned t- together and then mm-hmm. they um, yeah, mm-hmm. made, made a family. Mm-hmm.
0: slash nbn50 to get 50% off. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil.
1: Yeah. So in spite of all these emotional hardships, I would say psychological hardships, as you mentioned, you appreciated the fact that you could see the world, and you visited a lot of countries, and you saw a lot of beautiful places. So could you talk a little bit about um, these beautiful places right, that uh, you, uh, uh, you experienced, that you were able to appreciate? And uh, I remember you also mentioned that in your book, that if it wasn't for this job, you, would, you wouldn't have been able uh, to see that many countries.
2: Uh, Yes, uh, I uh, visited uh, more than 20 countries in Europe, almost all European countries where there are same seaports, so Mediterranean, Baltic, um, uh, Canary Islands, um, Norway, uh, Iceland, UK. Uh, So um, I have seen so many countries and many guests and with us because uh, I remember a guest who was like, 65 who told me i had to wait all my life to mm-hmm, see what mm-hmm. you have seen for free mm-hmm. and many guests uh, they um thought that we are here just uh for free doing nothing mm-hmm. and just enjoying life because they don't see the other side yes. of the um of ship life for cruise and um, for me also the hard part was for me, sometimes it—I uh, thought that for me it would be easier to work somewhere in the pantry, where I wouldn't have to uh, speak with the guest and smile because um, what I saw, I couldn't switch um, between the realities—one realities where guests are enjoying, and they demand luxury, um, uh, some standards, and this and that—and uh, on the other side, people who work. Uh, as slaves, basically. Mm-hmm. Uh, so for me, this was it was very hard to switch from one reality, from crew reality to guest
1: reality, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. it was a hard part for me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So and um, those occasions when you could uh, go and visit uh, some uh, cities and or towns, were some sort of uh, relaxation or some therapy for you, and. Um, well, what was it that you enjoyed in those places? Because it's, well, it, what struck me was this phrase uh, that uh, you had to live in different realities, guest reality or bartender reality. And then uh, you go visit some city and I, I would assume that it would be an absolutely different experience and reality. But what, what was it that somehow... Uh, maintained, right, your decision to stay and gave, and what was it that gave you some strength, um, I would say emotional and psychological uh, strength to continue working?
2: So first of all, regarding uh, uh, going outside, Mm -hmm. uh, after some, after a while, I realized that for me, uh, I don't care at all Uh, which port is that, which country is that. I just want to walk uh, on the ground Mm -hmm. and maybe find some um, Wi-Fi and then uh, buy some whatever souvenirs Mm -hmm. and just uh, go for a walk with my friends. And what really helped me that many people were very kind to me. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, Some bartender, uh, bartender supervisors, even some uh, other um, bar servers. And... um, it really really helped me and um, it helped me to survive there
1: mm-hmm.
2: uh, without um, finding some uh, bartender friends it would be impossible to continue mm-hmm. in work there mm-hmm. so but um also it was always um related as as a girl as a woman i was um i felt myself uh, a subject of uh, sexual pressure and um, in many cases uh, when when i come as a bar server into the bar i'm always dependent on a bartender so and if a bartender um, is interested in you mm-hmm. and then you are not interested in the bartender then it would make your life uh hard to work in this bar and uh, um, and you always need to uh like uh, negotiate and try to um to find a way uh to work avoiding any relations with a bartender mm-hmm. or yeah so that was the also uh yeah sexual pressure is um mm-hmm. also one of the um hardest part of the ship life mm-hmm. not only for girls mm-hmm. only for men mm-hmm. um there are many uh, many 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 gays mm-hmm. are on the ship and um are some men who are or um they are also subject of sexual mm-hmm. pressure mm-hmm. and um yeah this is uh, something that is very upsetting very mm-hmm. hard
1: mm-hmm. yeah um uh, in your book you uh, mentioned that of course you met a lot of uh, people a lot of colleagues from A huge amount of countries Uh, so could you talk a little bit about the cultural diversity that you observed and how does it shape the work environment
2: Uh, so on our ship uh, were um, over representatives of over 70 countries Um, mainly they were uh, countries of what is called the third world so mainly the Philippines Indonesia Mauritius, Balkan countries, uh, Ukraine, Russia, and um, yeah, some Jamaica, and uh, um, yeah, some other yeah, many, many, many different countries, and uh, these countries um, mainly they are making uh, some groups which is called uh, mafia based on the. On the country of origin or based on the language they speak for example Balkan mafia or uh, filipino mafia and then they are uh, united together and they're trying to over uh, to uh they don't they stay together and making um some yeah how to say <laughs> um, well they are friends with each other, and then they um, they support each other, and they don't uh, uh, don't speak much with other um, with other groups of um, crews. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: So um, you also mentioned an average age for a cruise um, clientele, seventeen. It was <laughs> um, mentioned uh, in one of the chapters. How about the ship crew? Uh, why do they choose to be on the ship? And in your case, uh, some clients were wondering what you were doing on the ship, given the fact that you had your know, excellent education.
2: Uh, regarding the um, guests, not always they were. The average age was seventy. It depended on the cruise. Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes, mm-hmm. like uh, I, I remember. Um cruise in Iceland yes there were all elderly people like mm-hmm. 70 80 mm-hmm. and um, as a bar service we we couldn't sell alcohol to them we had to adjust and sell like cappuccino for them mm-hmm. in the morning to make some money and um but other cruises are uh, like mm-hmm. um in the Caribbean for example where uh, mainly they are uh, American guests they're young people who come here to, uh, to drink because they can drink unlimited amount of alcohol and they are very happy about that uh, so it uh, depends on the cruise and regarding the cruise I would say that the average age is 30 to 50 mm-hmm. sometimes 30 to 50 um some people uh work on the ship over over the 20 years and 70 uh, percent of new people um never coming coming back to the ship so mm-hmm. um 70 mm-hmm. of uh, new crew members don't finish the first contract mm-hmm. because they cannot adjust to the ship life and uh, there is a rule: if you come back for the second contract, you will keep cap- coming back for the third, mm-hmm. and fourth, and fifths. And then it becomes your life, and you cannot adjust to the life, um, ordinary life, mm-hmm. uh, on Earth, so mm-hmm. to say. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So you keep, uh, you want to keep going to to join the ship, to work on the ship, and uh, that's uh, that's how you live. And then there's people when they are. On vacation they can't find they don't know what to do they just want to come back to this atmosphere and to this rhythm and environment
1: mm-hmm. but um why do they why do they come back would you come back by the way
2: uh no i decided for myself that i'm not coming back mm-hmm. and i decided it uh so on when you are finishing the contract then you can make a deposit for your ticket to come back for the next contract Mm -hmm. and i was pretty sure that i don't want to come back but i wanted to finish the contract Mm -hmm. and uh, i did finish the contract i even extended my contract for one month so my contract was six months i made it seven months to see the caribbean Uh, so um and it was the last month was very quite relaxing for me because i already um uh got used to my my job and it was a nice weather a nice climate so everyday new island it was nice I could go outside to swim a little bit but I, I saw and I realized that it's not gonna be the same on my second contract mm-hmm. because people who are coming back for the second country uh, contract they um, get more uh, a harder schedule mm-hmm. to close bars for example mm-hmm. and it's very hard it's very hard Um, the special cleaning you need to follow if you if the ship is going to American port it has to comply with um, to meet all the requirements of um, special uh, health um, uh, association and so on so and uh, the special cleaning it can take like three five hours to close the bar and if it's Caribbean and um, Or um, it can be like in every American port, you you have to do that. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's very hard physically. And and because of the sexual pressure and limited space, it's also very hard mentally. So I decided that a ship is not for me. Mm -hmm. But it was a nice opportunity for me to improve my English and Mm -hmm. then to use it for uh, to work
1: with English-speaking uh, clients in Ukraine. Mm-hmm. So, from your own experience, your colleagues who uh, go back right on the ship, um, do they really like being on the ship, and do they really like this lifestyle and this work style, or they go back simply because it gives them some relative financial security?
2: Um, no one like no one Mm -hmm. likes it.
1: Mm -hmm. Uh, People are
2: getting used to money in the pocket, as they say.
1: Mm
2: -hmm. Uh, And um, it's very hard when you get a salary of, uh, let's say, 2,000 US dollars per month, and then you go back to your country and you cannot make like 700, Mm -hmm. because uh, you already got used to a big salary. And you know that you already can do this, uh, you, you know your duties, and you just keep doing it. Mm-hmm. And it's more like a habit. And for uh, and ship life, it's it's very hard uh, to stay to um, to to live this life. So mo- mainly people find some partners from other countries, mm-hmm. and then they, are, for example, a girl from let's say Mauritius, and then a girl, a boy from. Serbia and for them the only way to be together is to come back to the ship and then they mm-hmm. come back to the ship they are on the second contract then, and then they break up but they already got used to the ship so they finish the second contract come back to third contract and this is how um, this it's their life already mm-hmm.
1: so uh, as you mentioned you made friends in the ship but you also met people with whom it was quite difficult to work um, what did you learn in terms of how to navigate the working environment during the seven months on the ship
2: mm-hmm. uh, so uh, the conditions of work specifically for my position uh, was that uh, bar servers competed with each other um, mm-hmm. extremely <laughs> so we were paid only for the drinks uh, so we got a percentage from every uh, drink sold and plus a tips. So uh, it means that if you don't make orders, you are not paid. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's why everyone was um, um, an enemy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the colleagues were enemies for each other. Mm-hmm. And um, um, bar service even um, used some, uh, how to say, for example, um, if I'm in the bar and I'm trying to make some orders and then another bar server come and say, I still here and uh, psychologically it makes you think that oh for me it's time to go on a break or this and that and then and they just take an order and uh, that's it or they can start telling you that oh i have so many um children at home they are so hungry i have to make money uh, blah 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 and then after that they make you feel sorry for them and they just take an order or they can tell you that Uh, You don't uh, know the standards, you cannot serve the guests properly, so that's why they will do your job. Uh, So uh, there are many, many things like that. And uh, uh, so, yeah, maybe other positions uh, would be psychologically easy, but Mm -hmm. this position uh, is extremely hard psychologically. Mm -hmm. Mm
1: -hmm. so you wrote this book uh, and uh, it was some sort of therapeutic experience for you Uh, is there um, there a new project that you're working on would you like to continue writing some fiction or do you have any other plans in terms of writing Um,
2: I have uh, uh, a lot of uh, subject to write about Mm -hmm. uh, because I worked uh, in Indonesia for six months uh, as an English teacher. And then I worked in China as an instructor for children, uh, small children, preschool education. And also I traveled a lot. So at the moment I have visited almost 50 countries. Mm -hmm. But for me, the most important is how would I feel once the book is published? Because everything is very personal experience. And um before writing, I really because when I published this book and I I had seven or yeah seven presentations in different uh, towns of Ukraine mm-hmm. and I felt that when people ask me questions, personal questions I don't I don't like it and uh, for me it's um, it's um, it's hard and um, I'm introvert and I don't like. To be in the center of attention mm-hmm. that's why for me the most important is uh how would i feel not to not to become famous mm-hmm. for writing the book
1: i see so but uh, this, book, this book was first published in ukrainian and then it was translated into english is that right
2: yes mm-hmm. right
1: mm-hmm.
2: yes so the book uh, was uh, published in ukraine and five, five years ago, and now I um, have the copyright for the book myself. Mm-hmm. So I translated it to the book um, to English. Mm-hmm. And it was uh, edited by um, native speaker by British editor. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So now it's a available on all Amazon marketplaces. So everyone can order mm-hmm. and, and read it yeah. about ship life.
1: Would you talk a little bit about your current uh, career? Uh, You work at Career Karma, an American community of peers, mentors, and coaches uh, who help career changes land a dream career. Would you talk? It it sounds very interesting. Would you just talk uh, a little bit about it?
2: Um, Yes, sure. I work as a content writer. Mm -hmm. What we do, um, the company... um... Consult uh, career changers who want to uh, ch- switch careers, and um, I write different article about how to change career. For example, at 30, 40, 45 years old, what are the options can? What kind of job can you find without degree? For example, and uh, then we write about different boot camps, coding boot camps. We compare coding boot camps. We um, um, take interview with alumni. Of uh, different cottonwood camps, and then write how people write the success story of people who changed their lives, uh, who made, uh, who started new careers, and um, yeah, with uh, uh, yeah careers in tech. Mm-hmm.
1: So, would you say that your ship experience somehow um, prepared you for this, uh, for this um, profession, for this career?
2: Um, i would say that for me at that moment it was um, the opportunity uh, to um, the opportunity to spend uh, six seven months in the english-speaking environment and um, it uh, really helped me to develop my career and uh, without that experience most probably i couldn't um, uh, i couldn't uh, yeah become a writer that
1: i'm right now. Well, thank you so much, Olga. Thank you so much for your book. And it was a real pleasure talking to you and learning more about your uh, experiences. Thank you. Thank you, Natalia. Thank you. Today, I spoke with Olga Melnik about her uh, book, Ship Life, Seven Months of Voluntary Slavery, published in 2022. Thank you for listening to New Books in Literary Studies, a podcast channel on the New Books Network.